Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D. LD.com right now and use a promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Feral Audio. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. If you haven't listened to the show before, welcome. Thank you for listening. Um, the show currently it has taken many forms over the years, um, which is I which I I personally like about the show. But it currently is in a form where post November eighth election that we explore our lives and worlds and how it is being affected by our current presidency, which is filled with it. In it's an intense, crazy. Ride and my personally think a a a shove far to the right and uh, I believe they're truly going for an authoritarian uh, state. I'll get into that more later, huh? <laughs> but uh, today my guest is Shira Piven. She's a f- filmmaker, a director, a writer, and she uh, made the great film Welcome to Me with Kristen Wiig. She's directed for uh, Transparent. And One Mississippi, two of uh, my favorite shows. If you haven't seen them, they're incredible. I think they're some of the most original television shows out there. And uh, she has a film coming out, or work that she's working on, about a tap Jewish tap dancer who finds himself uh, entertaining Hitler that we didn't talk about in the intro, but we, she emailed me about it later. And uh, I don't know, that just sounds really incredible. Um, she's... And I've known, it's interesting because I've known Shira for about, I would want to say 20 years. And I don't like saying that because that makes me feel old. But uh, it's, I and she's married to a longtime friend of mine and who's also a filmmaker. And I've never actually, we've had small conversations at parties and uh, events and things, but I've never actually like had this uh, long of a, and detailed and, dug our heels into a conversation or a topic and uh i really really enjoyed it and uh she's she's really she's just such a bright and and 
insightful person that uh, I've left. I've been thinking about our conversation for days, and we've actually texted back and forth some articles and stuff uh, because we obviously we talked about Trump. And I it dawned on me afterwards that we kind of did a bit of a character analysis, and we really were trying to break him down and uh, get an understanding of what the fuck is going on. And I read this interesting article in Slate the other day. I wish I had the title of it with me. But it was talking about, and and I think a lot of this stuff is Steve Bannon, is it, it talks about um, how the Trump administration hasn't appointed anybody to certain uh, agencies and, and, and departments and how they haven't put forth a budget yet and how Obama had an, a, budget, a budget for four four weeks into his administration and they the article speculates that they i mean bannon has admitted they want to they want to uh dismantle many of our agencies and departments and this article is saying that they're going to starve them to death that they don't have to just dismantle them if they don't fund them and if they don't create a budget then they'll just fall apart and this isn't good. This is <laughs> this is going to wreak havoc, which is something I believe they also want, and and I I think they want such mayhem that they'll be and confusion that they are they will take more power, and we are seeing signs of this, and we talk about some of this in the conversation that you know this dismantling and and uh, of the departments and. Friday, before this came, this episode comes out, uh, there's already a thing where they're padding an Intel report so they can justify the 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 Muslim ban. I mean, it, this is terrifying, insane stuff, and this is going to affect so many people. And that's why I want to have these conversations because it affects, it will affect our art, it will affect, uh, I don't know, everything, our lives, <laughs> the air that we breathe, and it is. And alarming. And I also had a thought recently, too. Excuse me while I sniffle. I'm recording this in the morning. I always have morning allergies. Um, uh, that they always talk about how Donald Trump says something outlandish and then his cabinet has to clean it up. But I think that's all planned. And I think they, oh, I, I think Trump says these crazy things. And that's for the base. And that's to keep them happy. And then that, I wouldn't say it's cleanup as much as it's just sort of like, trying to placate the rest of us and be like, it's okay, it's okay, it's just a crazy old man. But I think it's a very calculated thing. It's not a crazy old man. They're just causing us more confusion. So it isn't a cleanup of like, well, look what he said. It's more of a like, they're fucking with us. <laughs> not as articulate as I wished it would have have been. Uh, but uh, before we get into the show... I just want to say, if you could go to iTunes and review the show and uh, sh- and sh- tell your friends about it. Uh, reviews on iTunes really help out. Uh, spread the word. And uh, you could uh, follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer, or just go to themattdwyer.com, and that has all my information on there. So let's get into the conversation with uh, Sheer Piven. It is a fantastic conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. I was eligible to vote in was uh, 
was Reagan. That went me too. And I was so shocked. He just seemed like such a phony. Like why how was he how was that possible that that people bought his like and he seems like so like <laughs> like a softy compared to I mean he seemed he seemed worlds better than Trump uh, than worlds better than Bush and and you know many worlds better than Trump but we we couldn't believe he was elected yeah you said something before we started recording that you that the courts were working for a moment do you feel like are you not hopeful at all do you think this is all gonna not work out with the courts and that he won't be kept accountable no that's not I don't think I I don't think that's what I believe here the metaphor that I keep thinking of and it's not a perfect one but it's almost like I keep thinking like our country is like a big giant like a bit like a like a ship and the the sort of um foundation that our country has been been built on is is like the hull of a ship and then there are these like like demonic or cancerous elements from within that are just like banging against the hull of the ship and the question is can the hull of the ship hold is it going to be strong enough is every point in that hull going to actually hold as we from within are just like battering it and I felt hopeful when, when they, um, when they, the courts upheld the stay on the Muslim ban, and I'll just call it that because it is. But um, I felt felt hopeful for a minute because I thought, okay, well, that part of the system has held up because it's not just that he's a bad dude, and it's not just that he has bad dudes in his that he's choosing crazy corrupt people um to sort of fill out the whole executive branch but it's just that our it's literally our democracy is under siege and everything that we hold dear is being made kind of a made a mockery of and it's really scary to think that it's just really scary to see it so clearly. Like we've always known that there were these two sides, but to see it so clearly and to know that it could directly affect people's lives in such terrible ways is it's really scary. I mean, all that's gone on even, you know, just in the first however many days it's been, 30 some. It's in, it's it's brutal. I don't know if I can physically handle it like it's constant rage and tension and i feel yeah. that's what they want i feel like they are propagating nothing but fear yeah yeah and i feel like we have to just emotionally for our own longevity in the situation just keep find a way to keep a healthy rage without it being it without it killing us because i think really like like people's physical health is being threatened and i keep the i think like oh they would laugh at that but it's really true like people's anxiety is really high like it's it's very scary having that guy in charge of the nuclear codes it's very scary to think that he could he could stack the deck in a way that we can't get to the illegal stuff that's going on that is already so harmful and could be you know 
could be, who knows what wars are going to happen. And who, like, I remember seeing, waking up on 9-11 and seeing, like, I didn't, it was six in the morning. I, we had traveled to LA. We were living in New York at the time. We had, we were in LA. We had, we were stuck there. We couldn't get back. Um, I remember it was Adams that was on, was writing for SNL and the whole, the writing staff had been nominated for an Emmy for the first time in, in a bunch of years. And we were out there to go to the Emmys and it was sort of fun. It was the first kind of award show we were going to. And like, I had bought this, <laughs> I bought this like little fancy little purse that was not me at all. And it was like, it was like this blue kind of like velvety purse with like a feathery thing on it. And 9-11 happened, and I felt like that purse became like a symbol for absurdity and frivolity. <laughs> it was like we never went to the Emmys. We didn't get home to New York. And I remember, um, but that wasn't really the point. But the point was the uh, the scene when I got up in the morning, like 6 a.m., it, it's funny because it was my Russian friend who's been living in this country for a while he's a theater designer turned theater director and he now splits his time between Russia between St. Petersburg and Los Angeles but at the time he was in Los Angeles and he called us up and he said he said turn on the TV and it was sorry it was he said turn on the TV it was and we didn't know I thought like we were being invaded by another country that's what I thought at first it was like we were not, barely awake and then I remember my first thought was the, that whoever gets killed in these towers and it's terrible and it was terrifying to watch it and like we all know but I my first thought was George Bush is president and there's going to be many there's going to be retribution and there are going to be hundreds of thousands of people killed because of this and that's I remember feeling that at the time and I sort of have that feeling now like who is going to be what wars are going to happen who's going to die because this because this administration is so irresponsible and crazy. And it's like, I mean, when I asked my Russian, same Russian guy, Danila Korogodsky, he, I always ask him like, who, what's going on in Russia? What's Putin, you know, what's going on with Putin? He's like, well, it's like the mafia. He's like the mafia. And, and he's lived through communist Russia. He's like 60 now, I think. And he's lived through, um, I was there in 95, which was like five years after after the fall of communism and he lived through all of that stuff and like created art in you know found ways to create you know his his parents his dad ran a theater company and they did some he's like well art was flourishing we were you know everything we worked in metaphor because they really couldn't get us when we did you know when that we we didn't go at things directly but the art was rich and deep and metaphoric and 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 then put he's sort of like poo-pooed Putin but when I talked to him about Trump he was freaked out and to hear this guy freaked out how is he freaked out because <laughs> as if I need to be more freaked out <laughs> um, just kind of the ways when we are we are but it was just funny to see him being dramatic because usually he gets dramatic about art he's like you have to read this book it is so amazing <laughs> and He's like, this guy is a real artist, and that's what he'll get excited about. And he's like, yeah, Putin, Russia, yeah, it's just the same old thing. But when it it comes to uh, when when I was talking to him about Trump, he's he, 
what did he say? It's like there is something, something about this guy. You just know when you see him, something is seriously wrong with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he says exactly what I'm thinking. And then, and then what else did he say? Um, he's like, these guys are the worst of the, of the worst. This is the worst part of society and they are running the government. And yeah, I start to sort of try and talk in a complex way about it to Adam. And he's like, yeah, they're criminals. They're, they're, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that explains it. <laughs> I <laughs> end, of, end of discussion. I feel like they're capable of, like, they were already talking about how they're putting forth an Intel report to justify the ban. And Jake Tapper was saying, like, why didn't they put this up front the first time? And it, people are questioning whether they're, faking it or exaggerating this intel report so they can get their their ban the intel report like there's all these like from, cells from those seven here and there and yeah and that's why and which yeah I and mean, we, I we've already had anything past them like they could i think they want more i and i think that these actions towards like putting the muslim brotherhood on a terrorist list is are th actions that will incite an attack and thus yeah they can grab more power that's, I think that's what they, if, they, if there's a war, then they have, yeah. no one can question fuckhead. Does that hurt your head? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Adam calls him fuckhead Jones. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. And if there's a terrorist attack, forget it. It's like, you know, we all, Bush's approval rating went through the roof after 9-11. And that's that's like this really it's that's the scary part. It's like we're all sort of walking like waiting. Like it's like it feels like everything is a landmine right now. I used to think that the Republicans were gonna throw him under the bus, that they were using him to get their agenda through, and that then they would because they were the ones who did the initial hired Steele who did the intel on him. So they know all the bullshit about him. They knew it first before the Democrats. So I'm feeling like, but I used to think that they would like when things, but I feel like they want this now. I don't feel like they're all in it. Don't you agree? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they're still, they're sort of like, but I feel like that's where like the whole, our conversation started. Like this all began many, many years ago. And the, 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 the right wing of our, uh, the, the, the Republican Party was corrupt, has been corrupt for a long time, and they've been mobilizing and they've been um, strategically figuring out how to get the Christians on board. And yeah, we have, you know, we have family members, um, not my immediate family, but <laughs> we have family members who, you know, who are fully into. Christianity, the the marriage of Christianity and Fox News, and it's so baffling. But the Repu but that's not an accident. Like the right, the Republicans started to, um, started to work on s strategically sought out the Christian vote, and and I think and Fox News originated to be a Republican 
new like that's how they that's what they called it and then they now they they you know then they evolved into their fair and balanced but that's not what it ever that's not what it ever it wasn't it was never trying to be that and then the idea that it's that is still that same sort of kind of that same sort of brainwashing idea like here's our opinion and it's really not what you think it is it's this um that sort of double speak but the, and then but then trump's double speak is i think it's pathological i think he's a pathological liar and and clinically a narcissist but he has talent like he has some sort of talent some sort of charisma at getting people to work for him and to do his bidding and i don't know i don't quite know how but part of me thinks that if like people used to say george bush was funny and like there was a documentarian that hung out with him and was a uh, i never saw the documentary but i i heard a lot about it that she was left-leaning she did a documentary she hung out with him and the documentary was supposedly not flattering but she said hanging out with him he was charming and funny and part of me i can't imagine because i'm so i can't even listen to trump's voice but Part of me thinks that he has a kind of people, you listen to people and they're like, we think he's so real. We like him. We like someone who's like, we're so sick of politics. And that's that's the mind fuck. That's the double speak. It's like, we're so sick of politics and so sick of of um, these of, of the big powers running our running our country and telling us how to live our lives. But that's exactly what he's doing. It's, yeah. It's big business to the nth degree, but people somehow are brainwashed into not recognizing it. I think it's partly he, he, he and Bernie both had this. They don't. They didn't have that political sort of banter where it was, or the tone where it was like and da ba da ba da. Like Hillary had still had that old school political tone in her voice. Absolutely, and I feel like people of are tired of that. So that's why these two guys are just talking and people gravitated towards that. Also, I watch Trump and I, in a weird way, I kind of see like there's a John Wayne-ish quality to him. And I don't that's mean that in a good, good thing. No, but that's good. <laughs> but, that's good. Yeah. And I think that's what people are like. They just think he's this straight talking. To me, he's the dumb fuck at the end of the bar. But. I, I agree. I Yeah, but. I think that, yeah, we were talking about the other night. It's this, it's this um, authoritarian father figure that people respond to. It's black and white. We don't have to have questions. We don't have to live in the gray areas. We know it's going to be all right because he says things are terrific and these are terrific people. And um, I can't tell you what it is, but it's going to be, it's going to be terrific folks. <laughs> it but it's not it but more but more than that it's the yeah it's black and white and it's we're gonna go after the bad guys we're gonna protect you i mean i don't know we've talked it to death this feels sort of boring what i'm saying because oh, we, I, we I, know this like we, he's just but the john wayne thing like yeah it's fun to kind of come up with new insights into it and the john wayne thing to me is 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 right on I just I and I question though like I think he's a he's clearly a liar but I th can't help but think a lot of it is 
a conscious choice because it's just he, they fucking all they do is set fires and it's like again like people are distracted from Russia because they're talking about oh they're going to come after marijuana or he says something f- crazy about the press and I feel like it's just they are intentionally exhausting us and I think I I seriously waver between whether he's he's just a liar who says shit or if Bannon or somebody's like say this and this is going to this was what they'll talk about all day today on the news and they do yeah 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 it's almost like that would be a good do you know that thing they do where they put Hamlet on trial and they is he is he mentally ill or is he you know, is he a criminal for, do you, have you ever heard this? They actually, they do this mock trial. I didn't. And. Oh, wait, yes, yes, yes. And it almost would be, it would be a really interesting debate is how conscious are, are the crazy things that Trump says? How calculated is it? And I see both sides, but I do, I, when I heard his press conference, well, um, well, first of all, it is supposedly a political tactic, this kind of sowing the seeds of confusion. Um, I think specifically the Russians have used it. Um, and it, it is effective that you create chaos, people are distracted, and then you can, you can ram through a crazy agenda. I think there is some of that, but I, my, my 11 year old said at one point, she's like, I don't think Trump ever wanted to be president. I think he just wanted the title of being president. And there's part of me that thinks that that's how he functions. I feel like his narcissism is on a level that we can't really comprehend that he likes the idea of being in charge. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He wants to be in charge. He likes the idea of being in charge. He has certain ideas, but I, Listening to his press conference, something new occurred to me, which is we all have talked about his narcissism, but we haven't really talked about him as a pathological liar. And I realized I've known a couple pathological liars in my life, and they were very nice people, but they didn't, they couldn't control it. And listening to that last press conference, I felt like he can't, he's he's not fully aware. It's almost like his lying is so is so second nature that he's not really thinking about it. He'll just say anything to get a desired result. And it's not that calculated. And then everyone around him has to sort of manage and sort of do this dance to try and kind of make it work. And then it actually works in their favor. I mean, that's my sort of best. But that's my outlook on it today. He's a narcissist (laughs) and a pathological liar and everyone else kind of finds a way to manage him and weirdly in our culture because he also has that sort of semi straight talking style people have bought it but i think they've really bought it too because he's because he's because he 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 has so much money and he because he's not afraid to flaunt it and he has these you know he, he he may be a terrible businessman but on the surface he looks like he's a super successful guy and I think there is that element of like we want to be successful like him and we want to be able to say let's get ours just like him and and then throw in his like support of you know his anti-TPP let's bring manufacturing back to America which would have been great 
which would be a great thing if if we could trust it number one and if it weren't accompanied by all the other crazy racist sexist homophobic everything that comes along with with his ideology yeah did you pay any attention to the bannon stuff that he said at cpac about pretty much he admitted that the people they put in the seats of certain like the epa and stuff is to dismantle it he he wants to he's anti-administration yeah he is and it's i didn't I mean, hear he's... him but i heard like i heard all this like really i forced myself to listen cause i can't listen i I, awful. I was thinking earlier today they should just because they're all so impossible to watch and listen that they should have stand-ins deliver their messages that we could tolerate because <laughs> like i i i look at them and i get uncomfortable and then i hear them and it's even worse so it's like just throw in a couple like pretty faces just hire a model <laughs> to deliver the ugly message just to soften it a little just so we can know what they're saying <laughs> without yeah. having to suffer as much so i don't reach for the vodka <laughs> at 10 in the morning <laughs> totally yeah i yeah well that's how i feel too but i made myself listen to a little bit of the broadcast of cpac and i just heard a bunch of like entitled smug smug white guys like there were no that just i was listening on the radio and you can tell what they look like and you can tell who's in the room and you can tell that they're not people of color in that room and if any very few women you can tell what that club is and it's a club and they're proud of that club but i didn't hear i don't yeah i feel like if i if banna had been on i would have forced myself to listen but he is a nazi and i i mean i know that sounds like I'm not I he's he he may not be a Nazi but he's the closest thing that we have and he's a, and he has a president's ear. I mean he said he he's not afraid to ally himself with this white supremacist junk. I mean that's what his audience was for years with yeah. It's and maybe ally himself is too nice. Like he he propagates this I, this um really really dangerous racist stuff and people are like don't call us racist and you have like I was listening to Tenahisi Coates uh, that's the book on tape that I've been driving around with and it it gives me he gives me the courage because he sort of like unveils the have you read anything no of his? I would um. He's an African American writer, and he he, this book it's the first book I've read of his, and he. It's, it's sort of like socio political poetry, and this book is it's he's he's basically, an African American man talking to his son, and he was raised in Baltimore, and he really just. It's an amazing combination of kind of directly telling it like it is, what it's like to be black in America, and we can't sugarcoat it. And he's talking to his son, so he wants to be as, you know, this is this is the real talk. But it's also, he's really, he's a beautiful poetic writer. Um, and it gives me the courage to not be afraid. Like, yeah, we, we have to create a dialogue with, people who are trump supporters we have to try to not be mad at trump supporters because they were fooled and they're victims and they're going to be victims of of 
things that this administration does. But I think we also have to call out racism. We can't sugarcoat racism and we can't sugarcoat sexism. And we have a fucking guy in office who said, I'm going to grab women by the pussy. And he said that and he's in office. Like the day that I heard that come out, I was like, hooray. I was celebrating. I was like, no way anyone's going to put this guy in office. And the fact that we have is it's revealed the underbelly of our country. We knew it was there. Um, I've, I always have believed that the Republicans were, are, are or tolerate racism in their party. That's, uh, I, I feel like we have to be able to be honest about that. But it was hidden and now it's all out there. And so the beauty of it being out there is we have something to fight against. And we have, we can actually bring these issues up. And it's like having an alcoholic in your home and like you don't like, um, and the, and this person's super functional, super functional, and then suddenly they do something that's completely dysfunctional. They crash the car, some you know, drunk driving, and now you have to deal with it because it's real and it's in front of you. Um, and and the advantage of that is like you're dealing with your you have to deal with the emotional issues that it's bringing up. You have to say like here's here's what's going on emotionally in our in our home um here's what's going on in our country and it was great having obama as a president and i think the only way that our our first black president could be could get elected is if he didn't rock the boat too much otherwise he wouldn't have gotten elected he couldn't be too quote pro black there was no way that he would have been in office for eight years so i'm not this is not a a full-on criticism of him but like i just feel like that's how history probably works um but but these issues are have been have been bubbling up and bubbling up and we have to we have to almost seize this moment and and go at them head on like there were so many years of um i hated the phrase reaching across the aisle like there were so many years of making nice, like that even when Obama was like, it's okay, I'll just, the Republicans don't want too many tax cuts for the rich, well, I'll negotiate, as opposed to going like, we're not doing that. Like I wanted him, we all wanted him um, in my little bubble community. <laughs> we all wanted him to draw a line in the sand and be tougher and not reach across the aisle because my, you know, our feeling was like, the other side of the aisle is corrupt and how do you negotiate with a corrupt opposition party and how do you how i'm asking that like how do you negotiate and now we we kind of can't negotiate with with people who are like we want like a white world for white people and you immigrants get out of here we can't that's not what our country is so we can't stand for it i don't feel <sighs> I thought that some Republicans would fight back, and I, f I feel like it's getting... I really don't see anybody resisting him at all. Do you? I mean, I think McCain... Even McCain has admitted, he's like, the Democrats are trying to use me. That's what he believes. He said that in New York Magazine, and then mm. he's a party man. So that, to me, isn't hopeful. I think the only hope we have is the press comes out with something that is 
undeniable. Otherwise, I think we're fucked for at least two years. Well, I think, yeah, people who are lawyers, who are civil rights, who are... Yeah, we have a friend who's a lawyer that goes down and monitors things at uh, Guantanamo Bay. Like, I feel like, hey, Michael Cooper, your job is so important right now in our... in in uh, Right now in America. You're, you have an important job. you got to a lot of pressure on you and the same thing with the press and it's exciting because cnn had kind of become like a non they had become sort of like really soft news and they've stepped up they have and that's exciting and then the washington post hired all these journalists um from i can't remember they hired they hired all these new investigative journalists and um yeah, I agree. Like it ha- it's going to come from investigative reporting that is undeniable. It's going to come from um, courts actually, you know, a- actually um, adhering to rule of law. And but yeah, it's not going to come. From, I I'm not hopeful that it's going to come from Republicans. They've said yes to all of these crazy corrupt cabinet people. And but McCain, yeah, I. I actually tweeted something that he said um, when he uh, uh, just that if we, the minute we start to take away freedom of the press, something like that, the the minute right. we start to like crack down on on the the freedom of the on freedom of the press, we our our democracy is is under threat, and he at least said that. And yeah, then, that was a. That was good. Like, he has some conscience. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if people defended the First Amendment as much as they did the Second? Because, I mean, that's it's crazy because it's one mention of guns and everybody loses their fucking minds. I know. But, like, it's okay. The press is terrible, terrible. What? Really? Well, then who's going who's gonna, to um, who's gonna be a witness? Who's going to bear witness? And, like, World War II, like, people needed to bear witness. Bannon said... Uh, Bannon even said that. Uh oh. I would not have interrupted. It's interesting. We just got interrupted, and it allowed me to look at my phone and and check. A friend of mine just sent me an article from the New York Times. It says White House bars Times and two other outlets from briefing. That's. I mean, that's. And Bannon said yesterday it's going to get worse for the press. Like they. It will. It will get worse. It's so that's the scariest part because then there's no one, no one to bear witness, no one to see what's going on, no one. If they are robbing the store, if they're water, you know, like if they're torturing people, if there's, you got to have someone there to see what's going on, in, in order to inform people so that there's some hope of stopping it. It's, yeah. The crackdown on the press may be the scariest part of this whole thing because then they can do whatever they do in the dark, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, Breitbart has a seat at the table now. They, they have their right wing people sitting up front and taking their questions, the right wing news sources, that is. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, yeah. Adam talks about, he's writing this, I think you might know about it. He's writing a, um, movie about Dick Cheney and he he's done a ton of research and it the um, it seems like what 
Cheney was doing was kind of creating an internal coup within the government. It was like he sort of was running things. And it feels like this, I mean, he was elected, Trump was elected, um, you know, by the usual means. Yeah, he lost the popular vote, but he was elected by the Electoral College. So it can be called a coup, really. But I, there's so many questions hanging over the legitimacy of the election. And then once they're in office, isn't it kind of a coup if then they're trying to subvert democracy? Like, they got elected, but now they're in on whatever you call it. They're trying to subvert democracy. I oh, mean, yeah, I totally agree. And it seems like. Yeah, I mean, Bannon is really scary. I think when Miller says things like the president's authority will not be questioned, I think they mean that. I don't think that's fucking distraction or smoke screening. Right. I think that's what they want. I think I mean, they've no, clearly they stating that they want authoritarianism. Yeah. And it's terrifying. And I'm like, I'm baffled why people aren't outraged more. I know. Specifically, our politicians. I, I hear... Well, the Republicans have been corrupt for so long, so they're going along with this because they can get their agenda through. And so when you, yeah, your earlier question, like, are they behind Trump? I think they're behind someone who's going to help them get what they want and get their agenda through and, and knock down deregulations. And um, yeah, I'm not even sure that the sort of typical right-wing things are what they really want. I think some of those are smokescreen too, like the idea of like the idea of banning abortion and um wait, there was something else we were talking about earlier and Bannon and um I can't remember. It'll come back to me. Yes, um Yeah, I've lost the train of thought, but we'll come, I'm uh, sure it will come up again. I think, yeah, it's, I, I don't think the Republican, I, 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 it's overwhelming. Because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and it seems frivolous, but I was like, because you're a filmmaker, and, a, and I feel like this is, the majority of, in my, for my taste, the majority of film the past decade has been not, I find it vapid and sort of awful. <laughs> like I, do, I don't yeah. personally give a fuck about superhero movies and right. yeah, like mainstream, yeah, studio big and giant I, blockbusters. I like yeah. the blockbusters I mean, are getting more blockbuster <laughs> all the time. I mean, I like a popcorn movie and I do like yeah. them, but yeah. but I feel like that's all. Everything has been this just, and even nighttime t- t- television, like certain hosts are very like Fallon I, I what he did with Trump is is wrong in my opinion mm-hmm, and I know we both know him <laughs> and and uh but it's like it infuriated me but then Colbert has shifted and now Colbert's the number one slot in late night television and I think that's because he's been very political and he's been very aggressive and I feel like people don't want fluffy bullshit anymore I think people and it's like all the way down to our nighttime monologues and I I wonder like do you think this will have a shift with film and mainstream film 
I think it will have a shift with film. Definitely. I think that's where we have a voice um, is through art. But when, but yeah, the big studios are, are owned by corporations. So that's a big question mark. Like as far as mainstream movies, I don't know. I, I, that's going to be an interesting question. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I do think that, I think comedies, yes. I think comedies are the place, you know, sometimes the most subversive ideas are, um, not sometimes, I think often the most subversive ideas are expressed through comedy because it can be, people can laugh and, you know, I mean, Talladega Nights, for instance, was was really exposing some the exposing some of the stupidity behind NASCAR culture, but people in the South kind of ate it up. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it was a really super popular movie, but it was quietly a really subversive movie about that kind of lifestyle. And um Yeah, I sometimes but, they they sneak like I did like Legoland if the Lego movie, shoot, I didn't see it, but I oh. heard it was so. Good. But it had, I, which now I can't. I would like if you asked me what I, the message was, but I remember watching it and being like, "Wow, this is really incredible." They shoved in this whole message, and even something like Caddyshack has this is a very Zen. The whole movie is about Zen Buddhism in a way, and it's weird. But people and that stuff I appreciate, but and I feel like maybe that will start happening more and affecting our. Yeah, I mean we. Yeah, when Adam was writing this movie about Cheney, he was like, if Trump gets elected, and I'm like, he's never going to be elected. He's like, I might put this movie on hold and do this movie that I've been writing with Will about border guards. And because he felt, he always feels like when you can do a ma more mainstream movie and get these subversive ideas out there, you know, because they, uh, they wrote a movie about, about these two kind of dumb white guy border guards um, on the Mexican, Texas-Mexican border. And... Um, uh, I haven't read the movie, so I can't be articulate about it. But he, uh, I haven't read the script, but they, but he said that he felt like that movie may be what the doctor ordered right now. And now he's kind of back to the Cheney. I feel like the Cheney movie is going to be really, you know, definitely going to illuminate something about the climate on the right that kind of that led. You know, we all want to put together how did this happen because it's so extreme and it. We went from you know, Obama to this, how did this happen? So I feel like this Cheney movie can be one of the clues, but I also see why he had the impulse to do that. Um, and he's, he tends to be an exception to the rule because he's really funny and entertaining, but also really, really political. So, um, but he does make mainstream movies. Um, are other mainstream movies? I, it feels like everyone in the film community is 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 fired up and it's i think people are going to have a hard time making things that aren't in some way related to what's going on in our country because you have to kind of be under a rock to not not be um engaged yeah i was hoping that it, this would sort of and i didn't like i don't hate mainstream media i just there's a lot of like the race the fast and furious i'm like can we just can we stop with that please mm -hmm. but I was hoping that this would jerk maybe film back more to the, like a seventies feel where where the directors do that would be awesome. I mean that's what that's yeah. all I want. <laughs> yeah. But I think I, I think that there's gonna be a shift. I don't know. I 
yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a shift, definitely. I just don't know how big it's going to be with mainstream movies because I feel like that system of the system of how movies make money is very is very ingrained. But I think if anything can help shake it up, I think Mr. Trump and his <laughs> his entourage of fun characters can do it. But I don't think that's a frivolous question. I think that's a really really good important question. I keep wanting to have a crystal ball and go like 10 years into the future and go like <laughs> and like like time traveling and 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 somehow like have a have like a seminar and explaining everything that happened right now like in the future so we can understand what's going on cuz I feel like we'll have you know I mean we definitely will have more perspective in about 10 years. Do you do you think he's becoming normalized? I guess I I I don't think he's becoming normalized. I guess I just hope that he isn't that and won't as time goes on. But I, yeah, I don't think I don't think at the moment. I mean, I guess my yeah, it's funny because yeah, I guess my hopeful scenario is that we really really make some gains in the House and Senate and. <laughs> I mean, that election is going to start becoming um, relevant. We're going to have to start, like, mobilizing for that election pretty soon, actually. And um, and so I guess my hope is that people will put their energies into that election and we can gain some control, at least in the Senate. And I think there's a really, really good chance that could happen. And then we can start slowing the momentum and really fighting. Like, because right now they can just kind of bulldoze all their, you know, everything through. But I think if that's it, yeah, I think it's a ho it's hopeful for the, for like a much needed shift in the Democrat, um, in, in the Democratic Party. Because we needed a shift. The Hillary, the Hillary thing was part of an old guard that people didn't want, that they really wanted someone, they really loved Bernie or someone like him. I'm ex I'm hoping Elizabeth Warren is going to run for president. I don't know if that's a pipe dream, but but I feel like she has that populist voice. I feel like she, she can also take on Trump in a way that a lot of other people couldn't and didn't. Yeah, I've, I, I've, I, it was weird during the debates, people kept saying how Hillary Clinton won, and I was like, in my opinion, she was getting bulldozed, and it looked, it it looked weak to me. And I I I doubt I could debate that guy, <laughs> but but it just seemed like it it's going to take somebody yeah. who can really throw the words around and yeah and t twist what he says back at him because he just it's going to take somebody really and I don't know if if it's not Warren I don't know who that could be. I'm, She's been really good at it because I feel like she sort of comes across as being. To me, like I've met her in person, she's really nice. She's a really nice lady, and she really wants like she the things that she wants are come are things that are that really have been liberal values that that are based in empathy and compassion for for our fellow human beings, but um, but she presents them in a way that I think they really are, which is these are common sense things. These are not 
these are not crazy liberal ideas. These are simply common sense things, and she presents them as common sense things. Adam's the same way. He's like, doesn't even like to call himself a liberal. He's like, these are just things that are that will help everyone that are common sense. If you deregulate stuff, like we have plane crashes and we have food borne illnesses, and we have to, you know, anyway. But <laughs> but Elizabeth Warren has that sort of seems to have that softness to her but she's but she is a tough lady and in on twitter you know she didn't do the michelle obama thing which i liked in theory when you go when you go low we go high like i think that was good as a mom of two kids and but and i i love michelle obama but i think elizabeth warren's approach was a little bit more like she's gonna get her hands dirty and call out trump and if he went low, she was gonna uh, she was gonna call him out for what for the bullshit that he was slinging around, and I yeah the idea of I feel like she he didn't know what to do with her, which was great. I'm also hopeful for Tulsi Gubbard. I think I pronounced that correct, and Kamala Harris. I think are two women that I'm like, please run and oh, be. I don't know the who's the who Tulsi. I know Tulsi's from Hawaii. She's a she's. She's young. She's uh, a vet, and she's uh-huh. and very progressive. Oh, she's the one cool. who quit the DNC. She was the co DNC chairperson, and she quit in protest of uh, of uh, oh, what's the oh yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. She's and she's great, and I've kept an eye on her since then. And I those are two women. Oh, good for her. Because I good. we That's can't good. have a fucking guy, and we can't have a goddamn white guy. <laughs> White guys need to sit the fuck down for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, in theory, that's true. I just feel like we need someone who is... I mean, it would be great to have a female, and Elizabeth Warren, to me, has everything that you would want. Um, but I also feel like it has to be someone who... who really sees what's going on and has a deep understanding of how to combat uh, like the slipperiest enemy we've ever seen. Yeah. And he isn't, he, he is an enemy. He's an enemy to our children. He's an enemy to our, I mean, I'm literally going to start to cry because it's so, it's really like, it's heartbreaking. He's an enemy to our kids. He's an enemy to our planet. He's an enemy to, to diversity, which is which is just about being pro-humans. It just how, how do you look at one person who looks a certain way and has a certain color and say that that person is any less valid than another person? Um, he's he's an enemy to women. He he's an enemy to any sort of all you know other than heterosexual lifestyle, and yeah, I mean. The, I'm. I don't want to say he's not my president because he was elected president, but I do question the whole legitimacy of his, of how he was elected, and even though he's a, he is technically our president, I think he's a, he's an enemy of even Americanism. <laughs> <laughs> he is totally. Are you are you at all? <laughs> At all hopeful? I didn't know. 
I didn't know I wanted to talk this much about hair. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm going on and on. Are you? Are you? Uh, and this will be the last question. Are, are you hopeful? Do you have hope, or are you? Oh yeah, I have a lot of hope at how. I, I, yeah, I definitely do. Um. Yeah, I feel I like it's incredibly hopeful how people are mobilizing, how people are showing up for stuff, how people are um, aware of what's going on, making, finding a way to make their voices heard, getting educated about how government, I mean, this has been an education for me. Me too. Right? Yeah. I've, I mean... I've always read and but I'm like I've I'm reading from morning till night like it doesn't stop. Wow. I mean I'm just yeah. whenever I can I'm trying know, to educate myself and Yeah. Yeah. I hate that I have a job cuz I'm like I'd rather just be I'd rather go out and be active. <laughs> I know. No, I know. It's like kind of a conflict of like you have to do your job and I feel like ideally we have jobs that um that are ultimately helpful to society um and we have to keep doing those jobs but it would be nice to have even more time to be active i mean i got i got on the a plane and went to washington dc for the women's march and then there was some talk you know sort of aftermath of the aftermath of like well what does that really do you're showing up and everyone feels good when they come home but nothing really happens it's like you know what that's not i don't i think the world work doesn't i feel like the world works in in slightly more non less linear ways than that i think think if almost a million people and having been there i believe that there were uh, there were close to a million people in dc um but having been there i feel well afterward i know that the energy created and that what we the kind of solidarity that we felt in such a peaceful way there becomes a tool for further action, if nothing else. The images that that put out, the images that that, I mean, it put the president on the defensive. It put him on the defensive saying like, oh, my, my crowds were really big. And even that weakens him. And that exposes something about him. It's like chipping away and for, to have that many people show up and all of, and Every time there's a protest, it's more energy that's mobilized for good. And I guess that's the hope. To me, that's hope that there is very hopeful that there is this energy being mobilized for good. And it's not just about people feeling good that day because they show up for a protest. More energy comes out of that for every single person who was there. And that image is out there for people to see. And the press the press hasn't been really covering protests for a long time until yeah. this administration. There's, you know, a lot of times protests would happen and we didn't ever see it on the news. And now these protests are a big part of what people know is out there. And so I think that's exciting. And yeah, some, if something really, yeah, I think it's exciting. And I think, Sometimes the only way change happens. I mean, I do think change happens through pain, personally and and on a larger, you know, cultural scale. I think pain, you know, unfortunately, pain <laughs> pain creates change. 
Great. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, Matt Dwyer. He's a wonderful man. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please remember, review the show, support life podcasting. Go to my website, themattdwyer.com. Also, I have another podcast on feralaudio.com. Big breath there. It's uh, after birth. It's about uh, life before and after one becomes a parent. I do it with my wife, and we have great guests. We have comedians and musicians on, and uh, we get into some crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Thank you for listening, and power to the people. He's got a witty mind, and he goes on stage, and he tells his funny jokes. Oh, yeah. He tells his funny jokes to all the people. I'm telling all his funny jokes Good old Matt Dwyer Having good conversations With all kinds of people Lots of interesting people Wanna talk to Matt Dwyer Yeah Matt Dwyer Yeah Good old Matt Dwyer He's a brilliant man He's a dark, dark man He's a writer man He's a wonderful man National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.